Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy, and he calls the unworthy. Jesus is worthy. And the holiness and worthiness of God drives us closer to God, not farther away. Closer to service, not farther away. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning we are... uh, Transitioning to an Old Testament passage here in Isaiah chapter 6. And before we read, um, it's been a pleasure, a joy to be a pastor here the last three years. I'm so grateful for the opportunity, so grateful to be here and minister with you and to you. Um, thank you for letting me grow and, and, and learn and, and pastor here, so I'm grateful for that. Where we are in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, I invite you to stand with me and hear the word of the Lord and be glad. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And the seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. This is the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God. You know, I don't really like board games. Um... Card games, particularly, it's too many rules in card games. It's hard to really keep track of them all, Um, except for Uno, but I don't like Uno because it's kind of boring. But I do have a preferred board game if we all kind of get together. You know, we've gotten together before and had game nights. I have a preferred board game, and that's a little game. It's got 54 little wooden blocks, and each of them are, you know, about the size of a finger, a little bit larger, and someone stacks up the blocks three by three until it's 18 levels tall. And then you take one of the blocks from the lower level and you add it to the taller level. The game's called Jenga, and it means to build in Swahili. And now usually when I'm, when I'm playing any game, I'm interested in winning. I have been told that I'm competitive a few times. <clears throat> 
But in Jenga, I don't really care about who wins or who loses. I just want to see how tall a tower that we can build. Uh, we've gotten pretty tall in the past. I don't think I don't see Lauren here, but there's Lauren. Lauren, how tall did we get? Was it like 32 levels high? I feel like it was pretty good. It was a skyscraper. Yeah. And I've seen some people get pretty creative trying to remove blocks from the lower levels. Lauren, I think it was you, she would, there was just one on the lower level, and she just snatched it out, and it, was, and it just fell. The whole thing fell, but it stayed standing. And uh, it's gotten pretty creative with those. Some people play fast, and some people play slow. Sometimes the tower wobbles back and forth after each and after each turn, supported by maybe a single block at its foundation. And other times, it seems as solid as a 4x4. Four four. Like, you can't ever knock it down, but eventually the tower comes down. It topples over. And every time, I'm hoping, maybe we'll get it a level higher, or even a higher level. It, it looks like maybe we could get it higher than we've ever gotten it before, but each and every time, a hand touches the tower and forewarns the destruction that's to come, and finally the tower falls. Well, when the tower's falling, you think, I'd be that much closer to winning, but I don't, I don't really care about that. The little blocks are scattered around, everyone's scrambling to find them. Some fall off the table, you pick those up, you get them all together, and you start stacking them up, to, up again. And that's the worst part of the game for me. Everything comes down only to start over from the bottom. I don't like starting over. In our scripture today, we read from Isaiah, Isaiah 6, and if you read the first five chapters of Isaiah, it's not a good time. People aren't doing well. There's, there's cheating going on. There's hurting going on. There's unrighteousness and sin, those type of things. But Isaiah says he's unclean lips and from a people of unclean lips. And that's kind of the picture you get in the first five chapters of Isaiah. Things are not going well. And you get this picture as you're reading the first few chapters of Isaiah that the tower is falling and it's falling not fast but slowly and uh, there'll be a day when they'll be starting over and I don't like starting over. It sort of feels like the world's starting over right now. At least in my circles, more and more people are becoming socially friendly after being socially distant. I see less and less masks. More and more in-person activities are happening. People are traveling. Restrictions are easing up. So many things to be excited about, yet at the same time, we're having to learn new rules, navigate new stressors that really just weren't present two years ago. And we're stepping into a world that's different from that world two years ago. In the past year and a half, it's been like pieces of a tower falling slowly over and over and over, falling, falling, falling for a while now. And today we're just starting to see the foundations of what's to come, but I don't like starting over. I like the way things were. When I was in college, I had an essay. We had, a, a short, we had short little essays all the time, but this one required significant research in comparison to those little ones. 
it was a long one, and I was on page 10, and I still had five, ten more pages to go on that first draft, and suddenly it was gone, and you think, no, it doesn't work like that. That's not how computers work. It doesn't just go away, but it was gone. My computer was still on. The paper was just gone, 10 pages of that 20-page essay gone. And I, so I went, tried to open up the file again, but I couldn't find it. Where is it? I don't know. It's gone. And I had to start over that essay. I don't like starting over. When I was a teenager, I had a job in construction. Mostly we did things like flooring, framing, roofing. And I remember my first time roofing. It took several days. We had to get up really early, well before the sun was up, so that we could make sure we had all the supplies. If we needed to stop at the, at the supply store, we could go get stuff from Builder Supplies. and Then we could get to the job site and be on the roof by the time there was enough light to work by. Before the sun even is dawning. And then you only have a few hours of work in before the southern sun makes it so hot on the roof that you have to get down. You need a break. You're burning up. It's off of the felt and the shingles it's reflecting back on your face and it's just awful and the shingles will scratch you it's just a rough time well we this is my first time doing it and we had the decking down and the felt down and and today was the day for shingles and by this point I had done a fair amount of construction with my stepdad who ran his construction business but I was you know I was a fair amount's kind of not really a fair term. I was still too young to drive, so how much construction could I have really done? Not a lot. So I've been doing construction at least long enough to know how to swing a hammer, and I get ready to do the shingles, and I think, oh, this makes sense. They've even made grooves in the shingles for you to place the nails. And my stepdad, he has some mobility issues. He can't get up a ladder, so he wasn't there looking over my shoulder, and I didn't ask for help, so... We just all kind of assumed that I knew what I was doing, even though it was my first time. And so I got a couple of runs in, and I started looking over my creation. And I noticed something doesn't look right. And I wonder, why are the nails exposed like that? Why would they make shingles that way? It seems like that would be a bad way to do it. The rain gets down in the grooves, and then rain would get in the nail holes. That just makes no sense. Why wouldn't they put the groove in a different place? Or So I'm confused, and I head over to my stepdad, go down the ladder, and the next thing I know, we're ripping up all those shingles I had already installed. <clears throat> I had to start over. I don't like starting over. The Bible story shows us that's really a human pattern. To start over again and again. Last week, we celebrated Pentecost, and uh, the week before that, we watched as the Christ followers rolled the dice on a new leader. And for the, the close disciples of Christ, you're thinking about not the 120-something people there, but the 11, I wonder if they felt like they were having to start over when they were rolling the dice on who's to take Judas's place. And, and now that Jesus has departed, I wonder if they're asking themselves Are we backtracking? Are we moving backwards? And once the celebration at Pentecost comes, well, now they're having to set up new rules for their community. You know, appropriate acts of giving. No, you you can't do that when you give. That's not something you do. And you can't do this. And and finding out 
the identity of what it means to be a Christian. You know, do they have to be Jew or can they be Gentile? So they're having to figure out all of these things. They're really starting over in their community and you know, they have to examine the whole scriptures when, you, when, when they're explaining who Jesus is to the Gentiles, do they need to tell them about the whole scriptures? And there's just so much that feels like they're starting from scratch on. And, and since I've been talking about Pentecost, and then earlier we talked about Jenga, well, that makes me think of the Tower of Babel. You build a tower to reach up to the heavens, touch the sky, working together with your fellow humans to accomplish this wonder. But then something happens, and God acts and intervenes, and suddenly they can't understand each other, and the human communities are starting over again. That's the human pattern. We, we start over. Or the Israelites in Egyptian servitude, it wasn't the best life, but they knew their place in it. And then Moses comes talking about God and salvation. Well, hey, that sounds pretty good. But then suddenly the Israelites find themselves in the wilderness without food or water and only a tent as a shelter. And not all of them make it out of the wilderness. And yet, Well, they don't like starting over either. Would have been better to leave us in Egypt, they say. Or read the book of Judges or Kings again and again. The Israelites start over with a new leader. A lot of them worse than the last leader. Someone rises up, takes leadership, and the people struggle to begin anew, turning towards sin, war, or communal harm. It's hard starting over. It's not easy. It feels a little bit like you're losing something. And it feels a little bit like you and I are starting over. I'll no longer be your pastor. And for all the things that I've done right or wrong, we grew to know each other over the last three years. And now that's going to change. And I've had a few people ask me, you'll still be around? Yeah, I'll still be around. But the way that we've known each other and interacted with so far, well, that's going to change. We'll be starting over. And so I, in this Isaiah picture that they have, they're starting over. Well, they get into it and they start calling it exile. We call it exile when we translate it into the English, but in the Hebrew, that's not what it is. It means to be stripped bare. So they go into the season of starting over to be stripped bare of who they were of how they knew God, of how they related to God, of how they understood their place in the world, and they're starting over. Exile, that's what that is. The Israelites, they lose identity and sense of self, and it's the most painful way to start over, to lose yourself. Starting over sometimes means saying goodbye to the way things were, and that that may be the hardest part of starting over, the loss of what was or really what could have been. I feel like I've tried to be pretty transparent about um, things in the past, but for me, that's one of the hard parts is imagining what could have been, what, what would be possible or should be possible or what's possible, and then now it's not. And that's a hard thing. And so sometimes we get attached and exile and starting over for attached things is painful. It's, it's like I'm a tick attached to, onto the belly of a dog. And the owner comes and rips us off and tosses us down the drain. It's not a pleasant time starting over. 
Saw some gross faces on that one. Not a good metaphor. And so we read this passage from, from Isaiah chapter 6, and, and somewhere in the midst of it, in this time of starting over and unworthiness and worthiness and holiness and God and seraphs and angels and coals, flaming coals, somewhere in the midst of that, they're starting over. And so right after that passage, the immediate next verse says, And he said, God said, Go and say to this, go and say this to the people. Keep listening, but don't comprehend. Keep looking, but do not understand. Make the mind of this people dull and stop their ears and shut their eyes so that they may not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and comprehend with their mouths and turn and be healed. And then I said, for how long, O Lord, will this be? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is utterly desolate until the Lord sends everyone far away and vast is the emptiness in the midst of the land. Even if a tenth part remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains standing when it is felled. And the holy seed is its stump. And it's all ripped away. Except for the stump. Except for that foundation. And so there's two simultaneous things happening here. A collapse of what was, of what could have been, of what should have been, what the Israelites were hoping for. And at the same time as this collapse is this wonderful, holy, powerful encounter with God and Isaiah and these angels. And it goes, I'll read it again. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty. The hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs, that's angels, cherubim and seraphim, we sang that earlier, were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. Wow. Two covered their faces and two covered their feet, and, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And I'm going to jump down here. Verse 5, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Because when, and let me interrupt there, when something unholy stands in the presence of what is holy, how can it expect to continue to be the way that it was? It cannot. And then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongues. And the seraph, seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has, been, has departed and your sin is blotted out. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and, whom, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. So there's loss and exile and a time of starting over. And simultaneous to that, God is present. And simultaneous to that, God is calling and the unworthy are becoming clean and forgiven. And Isaiah shows us the correct pattern for starting over, for not only enduring exile, but living after exile. That pattern starts with awareness of this mysterious, frightening presence of God. And then it goes on with a conviction and confession of our unworthiness of God's presence. 
and then our reception of forgiveness, and finally our surrender to God's call. And the scripture shows for us that in times of exile, disorientation, and being forced to start over, in times like these, God's holiness draws us into service rather than away from it. Like Isaiah, we may, be, may we be touched by the burning coals of heavenly worship as we look forward and toward our obscure future that really is, is uncertain. And for the days to come, God calls us, me and you, to be ready for a rising holy foundation, a stump, a holy stump, that something might grow out of it. And you know that God's holiness draws into service because those in our midst testify to it. Reverend Ryan Watt and Reverend Patty Dixon are newly ordained ministers. God called into service. Simultaneous to us starting over, God is calling and blessing and sending people out. Alyssa Walker, one of our children's leaders, continues her own path of a calling into ministry. God is calling, blessing, sending out. And finally, Leah Tinch has just recently professed a calling into lay ministry. And if you don't know about lay ministry, lay ministry is different from clergy ministry in that a lay minister feels called to do ministry at a local church. Leah feels called to do to ministry here, specifically here, feels called to here, this place. Whereas a clergy minister feels called to do ministry as a profession beyond a local church. So I'm called into ministry, but it's not just here. It's, it's many places and all around and all over. And so Leah's beginning that process. And I myself am continuing to discern and listen to my calling, even in hospital ministry and what that looks like. And I've had a few people come and ask me, now what is it you're going to be doing? And um, most of what I'll be doing will be visiting people who are sick and dying and being with people who are trying to be present in the hospital with their sick and dying loved ones. So I'll be with them. You know, I, I think about the Jenga that I play, and we try to stack it up and go higher and higher, and and then it collapses and comes down, and you have to start over. But what we're building here together in the kingdom of God is not like Jenga. Thanks be to God. Um, what collapses and rises again is something new, a whole creation, risen in the image of Christ. And so what's rising again now from this holy stump, may it be something like that which is called into the God's kingdom and God's presence. And so I'd say, let us, let us mourn that our relationship is changing, mine and yours. And uh, we're entering a time of starting over. But my preference is that instead of continuing that morning, but we, we move forward into treating these final moments with me as your pastor as an opportunity for you to send me out supporting my calling. This work that I'm stepping into, it's difficult work uh, where I minister pe- to people who are sick, to people who are dying, to those mourning the loss of their loved ones in hospital. It's, it's not easy, and I would be blessed to have your blessing. Um, 
And so uh, I'd say, may this church be like the seraphs and the angels in attendance to the Holy One, praising God and blessing the lips of those who are called into service. Not just now, in this instance, but ongoing. May we continue to bless the call of others and touch their lips and honor this call that God has called us all into, which is proclaiming good news. It's been a blessing and truly an honor, and I'm happy to serve and be here. Um, if you have questions about this next path and my journey, I'm happy to talk with you about it. I'm actually really genuinely excited about it. It's um, something I'm really looking forward to. I'm happy to share with you about it, and I'd love for you to, to bless that, to join me on that journey as best you can. I know it's a little bit kind of weird since I'm transitioning out, but could, it, this is a year-long. Um, it's just a year-long program that I have, um, and after that, I don't know where God will call me. But it, it's sort of like, I'm not going to a mission field, but it's like sending out a missionary. Let's, it's possible that we could treat it like that, and uh, I'd ask your blessing as I, as I go and depart. But Pastor Gary is going to um, move us into the next part of our activities, so thank you.